appreciate the thought that Nick expressed in his prayer about our being found faithful at the end of life and having a home in heaven. I want to speak for just a few moments now on something connected to that thought. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 19, I want to just read one verse there. It's a, one of the verses that tells us what Jesus said on the cross. And there were several sayings. In fact, I think there were seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And this is the last one. It's uh, in verse 30 of John chapter 19. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his, his spirit. If you think about Jesus' mission, he came to this end. That is, to the end that he would reach the, the point at which the work given him by God was accomplished. He had said earlier in his life that his food was to do the will of him who had sent him and to accomplish his purpose. And when you think about Jesus' ministry and how it was aimed at preparing his disciples, it really serves that same purpose for us. It prepares us to be his disciples. But it's a model that is Jesus' life of what our lives should be. And so I want to ask the question this morning as we, we think about this, this lesson. I want to ask the question. I can't see this monitor. You know I turn it on. Come on, Philip. <laughs> Patrick does a good job in Blake's absence. I'm not used to having to turn that one on. We made it here, okay? So my question, based on Jesus' statement to me, and that's how I take it, it is finished, will I finish? And that's a question for eternity. We, we've spoken before, and we've had comments made from Jack and Trent and other Bible class teachers about how so many seem to lose their faith. And... As a child of God, it's important for me at any point in time of my life as a Christian to just self-examine my heart. Am I going to finish? There's time left for me to fail. I may be faithful today, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be faithful at the end. Nick's prayer earlier, is, is that going to become a reality in my life? When the Lord returns... Will I be found faithful? At, at the end of my life, 
will I die in, in my faith? Well, let's ask that question of ourselves. Will we finish? Will we be like Jesus so that we can at the end of our lives say it is finished? I think one of the things that's important in asking this question is, and Jesus did this for his disciples, is, is to realize that we have to count the cost. I think one of the reasons why so many don't finish is because they haven't sat down and asked themselves, what am I really going to have to do to run this race, to reach the end of my life and be found faithful? We, we want to look at all the, the upsides to Christianity, and there are numerous upsides. But Jesus didn't mince words. When you look at his ministry, at the very outset, he began to face opposition. And that opposition intensified with the passing of time. And he wanted his disciples to know, look at my life. Look at what I'm facing. Look at my suffering. Look at my persecution. You're going to have to experience the same. In Luke's gospel in the 14th chapter, Jesus was describing discipleship to his, his disciples. And he said to them in verse 26, If anyone wishes to come after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and his brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He's pointing to them to count the cost. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? That's something you do at the beginning. But that's something you do along the way as well. Because there are going to be costs to be paid. Jesus paid the price for our sins at the cross. But there is an expectation of a certain standard of life that we have to live. And as Jack said, we have to come before God with a gift. And that gift is the sacrifice of our lives. In John chapter 15, when Jesus was explaining to his disciples discipleship and he was relating it to his own experience, he said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. There's going to be a response to the life that we live as children of God. And that response quite often is going to be antagonistic to the plan and purpose of God. And we're going to have to ask ourselves the question, are we going to be able to finish this? In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John writes of not loving the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you, and you're probably not going to finish. You're going to be like Demas. You remember the man that Paul wrote about who loved this present world and deserted him? Well, he deserted the Lord. If we don't count the cost... That could very well be the reason why we don't finish. But we're not alone. That's the good news. We're not alone in this discipleship that we have set as our goal in life, this following of Jesus. 
And this is something that's said over and over again in the scriptures. And, and Jesus communicated that to his disciples. He wanted them to know he was with them. And when he left them, he would not leave them alone. He would send the comforter. He would send the Holy Spirit. Well, we're not alone. In Philippians chapter 2, when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and he stressed the importance of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. He said in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 2, it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When we become Christians, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence within our hearts. When we crucify ourselves, Christ lives within us. God is within us. You never take a step anywhere in life as a disciple of Jesus. As a Christian, you never go any place alone. God is always with you. And think about that, God. Think about the power of that statement. In 1 John chapter 4, when John was writing about this very thing, about God being with us, he said, You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The enemies that stand against us finishing, those enemies do not have the power of the God who is at work within us. So will we finish? We will finish if we remember that we move forward with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. But we're also not alone in terms of spiritual association. In the book of Hebrews, I love the expression that's used by the Hebrew author in chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And that's a, that's a reference to those witnesses that he referenced back in the 11th chapter. Those men and women of uncommon faith. Well, there are those that we know who have gone on before us, who have died in the Lord. They are now that cloud of witnesses, and they're cheering us on. Brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning are here because they want to encourage you. They want to see you finish, and they want to finish. And they believe that there's something that can be said by you or them that's going to encourage them to finish that race. And that's how the Hebrew author describes it, doesn't he? Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, it is finished. He finished. He finished because he counted the cost he finished because he knew he was not alone. And when he was resurrected, he went back to sit at the right hand of God on his throne throughout all eternity. And that takes us to our last point, and that is that heaven is at the end. We must count the cost. We're not going to be alone on the journey. But there is something great at the end of the journey. We've just scratched the surface as far as what is expected of a child of God. Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone choose to live a life that really brings one into conflict with society? 
so few in the world are going to encourage you to be faithful. In fact, there is no limit to the number of people who do not want you to be a faithful child of God. They don't want you to serve Jesus. They want you to live your life the way they live their lives. And, and you, if you try to do right, you're going to make them uncomfortable and then they're going to be a part of that world that hates you. In Luke chapter 6, when Luke records that portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount about sacrificing, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 22, Jesus said, Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your, war, your reward is great in heaven. And what day? Whenever men persecute you, Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and, and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. In the same way their fathers used to, to treat the prophets. Your reward in heaven is great. Think about that reward. Paul did. Think about Paul's life. Would you have wanted to live Paul's life? He, he, he lived a life that many would consider a life of misery. He, he suffered greatly because of his commitment to serving Jesus and being a disciple of his. And at the end of his life, he looked at the end and he said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. And then he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Heaven was his reward. The crown of glory was his reward. He looked to the end. The Bible describes that reward as reserved in heaven. You like that word? It's a reservation. We're going on a trip. We have a reservation in heaven. Blessed be the God and Father, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And then he speaks of being tested, our faith being tested. How do we overcome those tests? How do we finish? We keep thinking. We keep thinking about the prize that is at the end. It's a sobering question. Ask yourself the question. Based on where you're at in your life spiritually, am I going to finish? Am I going to finish? Let's go to God in prayer with Les leading us. Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity we have here on this Lord's Day to come out and worship you and praise thee and sing praises to thee. Hear a lesson taught and take the scriptures down, carry them home with us and apply them to our daily lives. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this church that meets here at Baldwin. 
We're thankful for our, our elders and our deacons and all that take part in this service. Heavenly Father, we look out today and we see the rain and what snow is falling and we know that you made all this. The snow puts nitrogen back in the ground and it's amazing that it it's all falls in the right place. But Heavenly Father, we just thank for everything we got that sustains lives for us. We're also thankful for Christ being sent to this uh, walk of life, walk as a man, and tempted in every way, but never yielded to sin. But he paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. He gave his life. He bought us. And Heavenly Father, he left us that avenue of prayer. When we do make mistakes, because we're mortal people, and we make mistakes, but we can go to him in prayer, and that prayer and that sin will be wiped away and be remembered no more. Heavenly Father, we're uh, asking you to bless the sick, especially of all congregation and of this congregation, and the ones that lost loved ones recently. We're asking you to be with our troops, wherever they may be, and Heavenly Father, we, we are visitors, if any. We're asking you to bless them, carry them back, save home. And the ones that's traveling, that's got to go, and we have some that's got to go, we're asking you to stretch forth your hand and see that they get to their des destination. Heavenly Father, forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genesis chapter 24, 42 through 44. And I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way, which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin